0: This is the House of Soul podcast. I am your host, Aurelia Soul. House of Soul, home for mystics, is a safe and sacred container that houses my most pristine wilds and some of the more arid and rugged aspects of terrain forged in fire over time. This is also a space created to assist in healing nurturing, and nourishing. This is a home to rewild the mystics and seekers alike, a village of diverse backgrounds that have come together to lift one another up, to learn, to thrive, and to bloom. No matter what we may encounter, we can rise from anything, just as we have risen from the ashes. Of lives and deaths before we will persevere blessed is the house of soul home for mystics we have come to set the standard not to meet it so it is a seat, warm yourself by the fire, slip off your shoes, stay a while. There's stories that beckon to be told, and I shall unfold them, much like the path before you. Let's begin, shall we? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening wherever in the world you are. On today's episode, I would like to read you a story written by Frederick Backman. And if any of you do not know who Frederick Backman is, he is an author, a blogger, a columnist. Um, you may have heard of his work Um uh, as he wrote a uh, novel called A Man Named Ove in 2012, he's written other works, uh, like Things My Son Needs to Know About the World, My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry, um, Brit Marie Was Here in 2014, Town* in 2017, Us Against You in 2018, and Anxious People in 2020. Uh, he's a Swedish writer uh, and he's obviously been (laughs) very very busy um excuse me, very interesting man um he writes in the fiction realistic fiction, satire, humor genre um and has been published since 2012 from what it looks like the little bit of information that I have up here um about him and um, this book, this little um, novella that he wrote um, that I want to read to you today. It's called, And Every Morning The Way Home Gets Longer and Longer. It's a novella and um, I mean, it looks really, really interesting. And so I thought that maybe you could sit with me for a little while. And just close your eyes and enjoy being read to. When's the last time that someone read you a story, right? You could just sit back and relax and enjoy yourself. So that's what we're going to do here today. And I'm really looking forward to it. Just trying a little bit of something new. And um, if you all like it, please do feel free to send in a Message or uh, an audio recording. There is a link um, for you to do so Um, please feel free to give me feedback because Every bit of feedback helps me to kind of tailor this channel um, And my content toward what serves your highest good And um, so every bit helps And uh, let's dive into this shall we? I just wanted to take a moment to pause for the cause. Ads, sponsorships, brand deals, and listener support really aid this channel in continuing to create content. So in just a moment, after this message, uh, an ad will play. It's not long at all. And if you would, just bear with me through that, and we will get right back into the show. Thank you so much for your continued support. Welcome back. Let's get into part three of reading, and Every Morning the Way Home Gets Longer and Longer, a novella written by Frederick Backman. People are moving back and forth across the square. A blurry man steps on the dragon's foot. The dragon gives him a telling off. A boy is playing guitar beneath a tree. A sad tune. Grandpa hums along. A young woman walks barefoot across the square, stops to stroke the dragon. Her palms suddenly search her red coat, finding something in her pockets, something she seems to have spent a long time looking for. She looks up, straight at Noah, laughs happily and waves, as though he helped her to look and she wants him to know he can stop now. That she's found it, that everything's okay. For a single moment, he sees her face clearly. She has grandma's eyes. Then the boy blinks and she's gone. She looked like, he whispers. I know, grandpa nods. His hands move anxiously in his own pockets. Then he lifts them up and lets his fingers move against his temples, like the outside of a box of raisins, like he's trying to shake loose a piece of the past in there. I... She... That's your grandma. She was younger. He never got to meet her young. She has... She had the strongest feelings I ever experienced in a person. When she got angry, she could empty a full bar of grown men. And when she was happy, there was no defending yourself against that, Noah Noah. She was a force of nature. Everything I am came from her. She was my big bang you fall in love with her?" the boy asks. Grandpa's hands land with one palm on his own knee and one on the boy's. She got lost in my heart, I think. Couldn't find her way out. My grandma always had a terrible sense of direction. She could get lost on an escalator. And then comes this laughter, crackling and popping like it's smoke from dry wood in his stomach. He puts an arm around the boy. Never in my life have I asked myself how I fell in love with her, Noah Noah. Only the other way around. The boy looks at the keys on the ground, at the square, and the fountain. He glances up towards space. If he stretches his fingers, he can touch it. It's soft. When he and Grandpa go fishing, they sometimes lie in the bottom of the boat with their eyes closed for hours without saying a word to one another. When Grandpa was here, Grandma was here, she always stayed at home. And if anyone asked where her husband and grandson were, she always said, Space. It belongs to them. It was a morning in December when she died. The whole the whole house smelled of hyacinths and the boy cried the whole day. That night he lay next to grandpa on his back in the snow in the garden and looked up at the stars. They sang for grandma. Both of them. Sang for space. Have done the same almost every night since. She belongs to them. Are you scared you're gonna forget her, the boy asks. Grandpa nods, Barry, maybe you just need to forget our funeral, the boy suggests. The boy himself could well imagine forgetting funerals, all funerals, but Grandpa shakes his head. If I forget the funeral, I'll forget why I can't ever forget her. That sounds messy. Life sometimes is. Grandma believed in God, but you don't. Do you still get to go to heaven if you die? Only if I'm wrong. The boy bites his lip and makes a promise. I'll tell you about her when you forget, Grandpa. First thing every morning, first of all, I'll tell you about her. Grandpa squeezes his arm. Tell me that we danced, Noah Noah. Tell me that that's what it's like to fall in love. Like you don't have room for yourself in your own feet. I promise. And tell me that she hated coriander. Tell me that I used to tell waiters in restaurants that she had a serious allergy. And when they asked whether someone could really be allergic to coriander, I said, believe me. She's seriously allergic. If you serve her coriander, you could die. She didn't find that funny at all, she said, but she laughed when she thought I wasn't looking. She used to say that coriander was a punishment rather than an herb. Noah laughs. Grandpa nods, blinks at the treetops, and takes deep breaths from the leaves. Then he rests his forehead against the boys and says, Noah, Noah. Promise me something. One very last thing, once your goodbye is perfect, you have to leave me and not look back. Live your life. It's an awful thing to miss someone who's still here. The boy spends a long time thinking about that, then he says, but one good thing with your brain being sick is that you're going to be really good at keeping secrets. That's a good thing if you're a grandpa. Grandpa nods. That's true. That's true. What was that? Both of them grin. And I don't think you need to be scared of forgetting me, the boy says after a moment's consideration. No. The corners of the boy's mouth reach his earlobes. No. Because if you forget me, then you'll just get the chance to get to know me again. And you'll like that, because I'm actually a pretty cool person to get to know." Grandpa laughs, and the square shakes. He knows no greater blessing. They're sitting on the grass, him and her. "'Ted is so angry at me, love,' Grandpa says. He's not angry at you. He's angry at the universe. He's angry because your enemy isn't something he can fight. It's a big universe to be angry with. A never-ending fury. I wish that he... That he was more like you. Less. That he was less like me. Less angry. He is. Just sadder. Do you remember when he was little and asked you why people went into space? Yes. Yes because people are born adventurers. We have to explore and discover. It's our nature. But you could see that he was scared. So you also said, Ted, we're not going into space because we're afraid of aliens. We're going because we're scared we're alone. It's an awfully big universe to be alone in. Did I say that? That was smart of me. He probably stole it from someone. Probably. Ted might say the same thing to Noah now. Noah's never been afraid of space. That's because Noah is like me. He believes in God. The old man lies down on the grass and smiles at the trees. She gets up and walks past the hedge, along the side of the boat, stroking it thoughtfully. Don't forget to put more stones under the anchor. Noah's growing so quickly, she reminds him. The boat's cabin, the room in which he worked for so many years, looks so small in the twilight. Even though there was space for all his biggest thoughts, the lights are still there, the ones he strung up in a tangle on the outside of the boat so that Noah could always find his way if he woke up from a nightmare and needed to find Grandpa a chaotic mess of green, yellow, and purple bulbs, as though Grandpa had been desperate for a poo when he put them up, so Noah would start laughing when he saw them. You can't be afraid of crossing dark gardens if you're laughing. She lies down next to him, sighs with his skin close to hers. This is where we built our life. Everything. There's the road where you taught Ted. Ted to ride a bike. His lips vanish between his teeth when he admits, Ted taught himself, like he taught himself to play guitar after I told him to stop messing about with it and do his homework instead. You are a busy man, she whispers, regret filling every word because she knows she bears the same guilt. And now Ted is a busy man, he says. But the universe gave you both Noah. He's the bridge between you. That's why we get the chance to spoil our grandchildren. Because by doing that, we're apologizing to our children. And how do we stop our children from hating us for that? We can't. It's not our job. He chases his breaths between throat and chest. Everyone always wondered how you put up with me, my love. Sometimes I wonder too. Her giggles. How he misses them. The way they seem to gain speed all the way from her feet. You were the first boy I met who knew how to dance. I thought it was probably best to seize the opportunity. Who knows how often boys like that turn up. I'm sorry about the coriander. No, you're not. Not at all. No, not at all, actually. She carefully lets go of his hand in the darkness, but her voice still rests in his ear. Don't forget to put more stones under the anchor and ask Ted about the guitar. It's too late now. She laughs inside his brain then. Darling, obstinate you, It's never too late to ask your son about something he loves. Then the rain starts to fall, and the last thing he shouts to her is that he also hopes he's wrong. Dearly, dearly, dearly hopes that she'll argue with him in heaven. A boy and his dad walk down the corridor. The dad holds the boy's hand softly. It's okay to be afraid, Noah You don't need to be ashamed, he repeats I know, Dad Don't worry Noah says and yanks up his trousers when they slip down They're a little too bit A little bit too big That was the smallest size they had I'll have to adjust them for when you get home, the dad promises Is Grandpa in pain? Noah wants to know worry about that. He just cut his head when he fell over in the boat. looks worse than it is, but he's not in pain, Noah. I mean on the inside. Does it hurt on the inside? The dad is breathing through his nose, and his eyes are closed. His steps slow down. It's hard to explain, Noah. Noah nods and holds his hand more tightly. Don't be scared, Dad. It'll keep the bears away. What will? Me wetting myself in the ambulance. That'll keep the bears away. There won't be any bears in the ambulance for years. Noah's dad's laugh is like a rumble. Noah loves it. His big hands gently holding his small ones. We just need to be careful. Does that make sense? With your grandpa? His brain? The thing is, Noah, sometimes it's going to be working slower than we used to. Slower than Grandpa is used to. Yeah, the way home's getting longer and longer every morning now. The father squats down and hugs him. My wonderful, smart little boy. The amount I love you, Noah. The sky will never be that big. What can we do to help Grandpa? The dad's tears dry on the boy's sweatshirt. We can walk down the road with him. We can keep him company. They take the lift down to the hospital parking lot, walk hand in hand toward the car, fetch the green tent. Ted and his dad are arguing again. Ted begs him to sit down. The dad furiously bellows. I don't have time to teach you to ride your bike today, Ted. I told you I have to work. It's okay, Dad, I know. For God's sake, I just want my cigarettes. Tell me where you've hidden my cigarettes, the dad roars. You stopped smoking years ago, says Ted. How the hell would you know? I know because you stopped when I was born, Ted. They stare at one another and breathe, breathe and breathe and breathe. It's a never-ending rage, being angry at the universe. I... it, Grandpa mumbles. Ted's big hands hold his thin shoulders. Grandpa touches his beard. you gotten so big, Ted-Ted. Dad, listen to me. Noah's here now. He's going to sit with you. I just need to go get a few things from the car. Grandpa nods and rests his forehead against Ted's forehead. We need to go home soon, my boy. Your mother's waiting for us. I'm sure she's worried. Ted bites his lower lip. Okay, Dad. Soon. Really, really soon. How tall are you now, Ted Ted? Six foot one, Dad. We'll have to put more stones under the anchor when we get home. Ted is almost at the door when Grandpa asks him, if he has his guitar with him. There's a hospital room at the end of a life where someone, right in the middle of the floor, has pitched a green tent. A person wakes up inside it, breathless and afraid, not knowing where he is. A young man sitting next to him whispers, don't be scared. The person sits up in the sleeping bag, hugs his shaking knees, and cries. Don't be scared," the young man repeats. A balloon bounces against the roof of the tent. Its string reaches the person's fingertips. I don't know who you are," he whispers. The young man strokes his forearm. "I'm Noah. You're my grandpa. You taught me to cycle on the road outside your house." And you loved my grandma so much that there wasn't room for you in your own feet. She hated coriander, but put up with you. You swore you would never stop smoking, but you did when you became a father. You've been to space because you're a born adventurer. And once you went to your doctor and said, Doctor, doctor, I've broken my arm in two places. And then the doctor told you that you should really stop going there. Grandpa smiles then without moving his lips. Noah places the string from the balloon in his hand and shows him how he is holding the other end. We're inside the tent we used to sleep in by the lake, Grandpa. Do you remember? If you tie the string around your wrist, you can keep hold of the balloon when you fall asleep. And when you get scared, you just yank it and I'll pull you back every time. Grandpa nods slowly and strokes Noah's cheek in wonder. You look different, Noah-Noah. How's school? Are the teachers better now? Yes, Grandpa. The teachers are better. I'm one of them now. The teachers are great now. That's good. That's good, Noah-Noah. Great brain can never be kept on Earth, Grandpa whispers and closes his eyes. Space sings outside the hospital room. Ted plays guitar. Grandpa hums along. It's a big universe to be angry at, but a long life to have company in. Noah strokes his daughter's hair. The girl turns toward him in the sleeping bag without waking up. She doesn't like math. She prefers words and instruments like a grandpa. It won't be long before her her feet touch the ground. They sleep in a row. The tent smells like hyacinths and there's nothing to be afraid of. a fairly decent-sized novella, so we're gonna probably read this in a few parts so that these episodes aren't, you know, insanely or excessively long, and it'll give you some time to digest what was read and think on things a little bit, and then you can come back next week for, you know, the next episode. And so thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that you loved it. If you would like more of this kind of content, then please do send me a message, comment, um, record a voice message. There's a link um, for you to be able to record a message to me as well. And I will address your questions, comments, and concerns. um, If you love to support this channel. I have an ad that runs kind of um, a quarter of the way through my episodes. So please feel free to listen to it. It's not very long. Um, That helps. And also share the love, spread the word. And um, your feedback is invaluable uh, to me and the sustainability of this podcast. I hope that it has brought you great comfort and peace and um, and joy and has somehow served your highest good. So I'm signing off for this evening and may your rest be restorative when you finally do get some sleep tonight.